Who's that? You must be new. That is Bruce Wayne. Mr. Wayne, Clark Kent, Daily Planet. What's your position on the Bat Vigilante in Gotham? Civil liberties are being trampled on in your city. People living in fear. He thinks he's above the law. The Daily Planet criticizing those who think they're above the law is a little hypocritical. What'd you say? Considering every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you read a puff piece editorial about an alien. It could burn the whole place down. Most of the world doesn't share your opinion, Mr. Wayne. Maybe it's Gotham City in me. We just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Boys! Mm. Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. I love it. I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hi, hello. Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. Yeah. Hello and welcome to a brand new and uh, albeit live episode of Third Degree Burn. My name is Brian Hughes and I am here with Tim Elliott. I am Tim Elliott. Frank Canepa. I am not Frank Canepa. And Mike Carlisle. Hello, Mike Carlisle. And we might actually have some special guests speaking from Christopher Brian Hughes. Say hi. Hello. Anyway, we are here, uh, and I say albeit live, but obviously you're not getting a slide. But we are here face-to-face at Area 51 Comic Books and Game in Grapevine, Texas. Uh, So it's the first time we've done a show together, all all together face-to-face. True. And we come together today at Area 51 to discuss Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and what we what we think about it. Now the movie's been out since Good Friday, which uh, Trentus Magnus pointed out on, an, on another show. And I just thought that was rather ironic and funny. Um, well, you might point out that this is a follow-up yeah. to a previous episode we did of before it opens. Right. So. Uh, we, we, we actually did our uh, roundtable discussion with the four of us and uh, Kat Martinez. Martinez. And, but, uh, and so you got to hear what we, what we thought we'd see in the movie, what we didn't want to see, and you know, now you know what we have seen. Or at least you're going to hear what we've seen and what we think about it. Uh, so, you know, to go ahead and get us to kick off, I'm going to go ahead and ask Mike to take over at the beginning and give us his overall thoughts on it, and then we'll get into the nitty-gritty as we go on. So this beginning portion, I guess we're going to go with uh, non-spoilery type of reviews, and um, I, I have, a, I have like, the most neutral uh, opinion of this movie. I, I rated it about 5 out of 10. Um, uh, the first full hour plus is disjointed. It's horribly edited. It's filled with dialogue that barely sets up the conflict to come. It does a poor job of explaining motivations beyond the initial Batman scene that's been shown in the trailer over and over again. The movie suffers greatly from the additions of subplots that do little but fill time. And it it is slightly redeemed by having an honest character moment that sets up Superman's side of the conflict, providing an understandable character motivation late at the beginning of about the second act. Um, and then we get the third act, which is an exciting boss battle that, that goes all the way to the end of the movie. It's still too destructive. It's still too dour. It's gritty for my taste. But at least Wonder Woman looks promising. Well, I think we can just shut it off now. I don't think we can't, we can't yeah. follow that. I, I, yeah, I think you said everything needed to be said. Good night, everyone. 
<laughs> Our shortest episode ever. So, so to, to continue on that vein, why don't we see Frank Canepa? I think has a very positive outlook on this movie. Let's let's get some some of Frank's thoughts. I see them percolating. I'm not I'm I'm not overly positive. Uh, I don't think it was as bad as as uh, as a five. I didn't see the disjointedness the scenes made a lot of sense to me they weren't they weren't um, a cohesive narrative they weren't cohesive in scene after scene necessarily but when you step back and look at the collage of them they all made sense they all fit together as a as a puzzle um, so I didn't, you actually understand Lex Luthor's plot from beginning to end yeah what about it, the, it made what about sense. What about I like about this is the thing that I like. This thing that I like about him is that every Lex Luthor to this point has been a real estate mogul trying to get away with some kind of real estate scam, and every every. Uh, every version of that that's been on the big screen I've always thought what a waste of Lex Luthor and this is the first time I thought they didn't waste it in fact I think he was probably one of the more interesting characters on the screen I think like, he was more interesting than Wonder Woman as far as uh, uh, compelling character narrative um Oh, I use uh, Resolve too. I felt that he was useful. He was probably the most useful character in the story. Uh, I, I'll disagree with you there, Frank. I think I understand that Jesse made some decisions on what he was trying to do. I give him that. He was trying to do something. Right. I think it failed. I don't think it was a very successful character. Uh, I find him more irritating than anything else. Uh, well, this is the thing that I, I enjoyed about him, though, is that he was. He, his perspective was. Uh, I've accomplished everything that I could possibly accomplish. I inherited a bunch of money. I've accomplished everything I could accomplish. I'm I'm a rich multi-billionaire, and I have the tech that I want out the wazoo. I can do anything I want. I'm all for humanity. But that freaking alien, I need to build a wall and keep him out. He was basically he was basically Donald Trump. I hate him on the other side of that wall. I want to keep him see, on the wall. I I'm going to make him build that wall. I see that as Batman's. I see that as Batman's motive. Now I agree with you on that. But Jesse's uh, Luther's motivation to be what is it? Does he have daddy issues? There's hints that he was abused, some kind of yeah. some kind yeah. of neglect or abuse or something. Uh, is it a? Does he have a problem with? Is he taking a kind of a shot at at religion because he has a has a seem to have a thing with God God images, mm. or or does that connect to his abuse that if there was a God he wouldn't be abused? So I think it all got tied into the the more subtle subplot that they kept throwing in our face from time to time that there's something coming that we all know is coming and yeah. that would be dark side. There, there definitely think, is. Yeah. That. There was there was that there was a subtle manipulation in him and in others, Bruce Wayne included. I think that that you're going to see the beautiful dreamer or one of the other new gods characters was used to sit there and plant all this stuff in everybody's heads to start. 
the well, wheels in motion. I, I, I'll are agree we, that are you... Are we in spoilers land now? Absolutely. Okay. I don't think... Spoilers alert. Spoilers alert. that is going to be listening to this that hasn't seen the movie yet. If you haven't seen the movie yet, and it looks like, you know, half the country went and saw it the first weekend because nobody else went afterwards. Then nobody went. Yeah. Everybody saw it and then stopped. Did any of you see the deleted scene that they've shown on the internet where it appears that... You haven't. It appears that it appears that Luther is caught in the bowels of uh, General Zod's ship. Yeah, he was in the Kryptonian ship. And there's a, a supposedly a new god there with three of those cubes, which we saw that sucked up into Colossus or uh, Cyborg. Cyborg. So there's some mother box. Those are mother boxes. Yeah, mother boxes. So, so, and that's that fits with the new Fifty Two version of which uh, looked strangely like flux capacitors. It, it, to me, to <laughs> it me, it like looked the, like transformer cube. I yeah, was well, thinking that, it was the box in the uh, what was that movie that Robert Rodriguez did with the kids? Uh, my kids shorts. There was a, a movie called Shorts, and, it, and the whole entire subplot was that the, the mother and father were working on these black boxes that were supposed to replace like your phone and everything else, and, and they were crazy, goofy things that looked exactly like this box thing. Hmm. Well, I thought it was interesting that the guy that's creating Cyborg is Miles Dyson, the guy that created Skynet. <laughs> yes. This is going to work out well. Yeah. Let's just, I would say, Lex doesn't need to be the Joker. We have a Joker character. And I think that's something Tim stated to me off podcast that just hung and resonated was we, we need a, it, he doesn't need to be a, a business mogul, but it, I, I, I barely touched into uh, Smallville, but the Smallville character of Lex was always put on as this really, really complex, daddy-issued kind of kid who wanted a family and never got a family. And that's the kind of Lex I really was hoping to hit, and we didn't get that. I, I almost wanted uh, first season Lois and Clark John Shea Lex Luthor. You know, <laughs> Very suave, yeah. Very together. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, thinks on his feet, but at the same time, he had that burn era Lex Luthor part to him that realized, as long as Superman's around, he is no longer the most powerful man in Metropolis. Exactly. And he hated that. He he would sit there and call him Superman. You know, just to reiterate that he is just a man. I don't think they ever established that, at least to my satisfaction, that Lex was brilliant. He owned a company, but I have a feeling he just had all these scientists work for him. He didn't necessarily do any of the work himself, right. so I don't know how... Well, he quickly learned how to use Kryptonian technology, so I think that sort of showed well, that he was pretty darn intelligent. No, I think Kryptonian technology is going to be so user-intuitive. It seemed to be pretty user-friendly. Yeah. It was like, hey, do you want to, you want to create a monster? Yes, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> Here, Lex, here's a Kryptonian iPhone. Get to work. I mean, that's that's what it was. Now, let's back up just a little bit and... If Tim, if you want to go ahead and give your overall thoughts, my overall thoughts. You, you went and saw it last night, so you got something fresh in your mind. Fresh in my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it on a one to ten scale, but if I did, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it's an awful movie. I didn't think it's a terrible movie. It's not the quote worst movie ever made. Uh, I would either give it a five or six. I thought it was okay. It was. There were parts of it that. I enjoyed. If I was going to watch it again, I would watch it uh, kind of the way I watch Dark Knight. I know that's 
this blasphemous to see. I don't really like Dark Knight that much. There are parts I can watch Dark Knight in chunks. I like this part. I like this part. I like this part. I don't want to watch the whole movie all the way through. That's kind of what I felt with this one. Although we'll say I like this a little better, I think, than Man of Steel. And I don't because I really liked. Ben Affleck as Batman. That, I found, is the most interesting part. I don't like him as um, the murder bat, this, you know, this murdering spree he went on where he's just... Bat Punisher. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You got it. I want to see... I want to see movies from the first 20 years. Right. Now, he may have been that same <clears throat> that same guy. He might have been just, you know, wholesale slaughter for everybody. I don't think so. But I want to see him before he became kind of broken and bitter and, and uh, just out to, to punish everybody. Can we all agree that maybe that Batman in the movies, I mean, with, with the exception of Batman 66, realistically, the Batman in the movies, have, they've always been these really nasty killer guys who don't mind blowing up buildings with people in them. And well, Michael, Keaton's, Michael Keaton's Batman killed. We know that. Killed Joker. Yeah, killed the Joker. Killed the clown with the bomb on the... The, the, the bomb on the... Yeah. Yes, and all that stuff. Some of that is done almost in a slapsticky well, kind of way. He can't. He can't. Flip, flip the Batmobile around and torch the guy. Yeah. Yes. The yes dark, exactly. that, that's just the dark humor of the Tim Burton era of movies. Right. The... T- uh, the Joel Schumacher? No, no, the Chris Nolan. Oh, Chris Nolan's books. Yeah. He didn't actually kill anybody. Now he did kill somebody by not acting, and that was, but of course, that was you know Ra's actually, al Ghul. Actually, we've got Ra's al Ghul's whole entire compound that he sets on fire and explodes with people in it. Mm-hmm. That then, was indirect. He was just trying to get out of killing that one guy. Um, in the second movie, uh, it could be argued that he killed Harvey Dent. When I land, then I'm going to turn back and he has me as a standard. Knocked him off the Yeah, whatever. yeah, that, that right there. And again, once again, he was trying to save a life. Yeah. Now, in the Bane thing, really, he wasn't, I guess, you know, that was... Catwoman. Yeah. Bam. Bam, yeah. Um, beyond that, I, you know, I'm not really certain there was anybody in that movie. I'll say this. I like Affleck as Batman better than Christian Bale. I think he, he does a great Bruce Wayne. I said, but we should shave them off. <laughs> nice shoots. Uh, yeah. Now, that was, cute shoes or whatever that was. Yeah. That was a great line. And uh, Kevin Smith had gone on his show this uh, this week saying that that was pure Affleck Adler right there. Wow. Though he's not gotten confirmation on it, but I would, I would tell Well, everybody was so worried about Affleck the way they were worried about Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man. And I think Or Michael did. Keaton with Batman. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, I was, if I was actually writing my Batman, I'd probably... Affleck, Keaton, Bale. The thing that I really enjoyed about this Batman was that there, there, there was an element to Batman that I never felt. I never read anything or saw saw in any movie or any show that uh, really really bolstered his detective side. Yeah. And I felt that uh, this this version of Batman was more detective, more Sherlock Holmesian than uh, pretty much any of the movies to this point. And a lot of what I've read. Um, a, lot, a lot of... I mean, there'll be little snippets of Batman doing some real detecting in, in, in books that I've read to this point. And there may be plenty of uh, books that I've not read that have him just all out being detective, which I've not really, I've not read. But I was impressed by that in this in this aspect, and I thought I thought uh, Affleck did a great job of portraying that part of Batman. Well, true, because Bale—that's the one thing I thought was missing from the Bales—that he never seemed like he was 
detective. Working as a detective. Yeah, yeah. Zalford doing all the work in, in that one and in the Michael Keaton one. Uh, you know? Well, Keaton did, at least did some, but Bale had... Uh, Lucius to do all his yeah. the, the heavy work for him. Like, hey, I need this. I need that. You know, he gets basically his own R and D department. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that, it makes me want to see. Uh, there's talk of a standalone Ben Affleck. Yeah, and I would. I don't know if it's going to follow on this or if it would be like a prequel. Well, you know, right now Warner Brothers is trying to rethink their 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 DCU line of movies because of the way that this one went. And, you know, the first weekend, it performed phenomenal, but they noticed the drop-off, and they're sitting there going, okay, something's wrong with it. Now, the thing is, within this week, it's already going to surpass Deadpool worldwide. Yeah, but here's the deal. Okay, so it's going to make, maybe we're thinking, $1 billion, although news reports are saying now, not even $1 billion. <laughs> Probably not $1 billion, maybe somewhere in the 800s, and that's, well, that's about as far as it's going to go. The movie cost $400 million to make, so, okay, and well, to market, we're, we're, $400 million to make and market, so we're talking, market. About, we're talking about doubling their money, which to us sounds great, right? Right. But when you take a smaller movie like 10 Cloverfield Lane, Tin Cloverfield Lane costs $15 million to make and about $5 million to market. So you're talking about a $20 million movie. And that movie is going to make back, so far, $82 million and it's still got legs. So that means they're making quadruple their amount of money. If you're, if you're a movie studio, do you invest your $100 billion or your $1 billion in movies? Do you invest them in... Half of it in a Batman, or do you split them all up and send them all to smaller? But that's the way the studios are working now. They have right. you're not getting so many of the smaller. You're going to get small little, right? Kind of more independent style, like we did with some of Cloverfield. Then you have the huge temples. Well, right. that's it. You don't have anything in the middle. Deadpool only had a budget of fifty-eight million. Yeah, and look at how much it's made. Yeah, even and though it's it's over seven hundred million at you know, seven hundred fifty million. I think is what it did worldwide. It did, and most it was pretty evenly spread between <laughs> domestic and foreign market. Okay, so half the money it made, it made here. Whereas with the Batman v Superman, it's made two hundred and fifty million here, and the rest worldwide. Well, that's same with the, I think the Avengers. Most of their and it's just most of their money was made Russia. over was made overseas. But Deadpool was a was a guardian. It was you know people most people didn't know Deadpool was. It kind of came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and it's just. Wonderfully funny, fun movie. Yeah, and I if think it's got a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not for kids. Not for kids. Not like the Guardians. <laughs> and I think that's. Uh, well, let's let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, okay, you look at. Let's compare Batman to the Transformers. The Transformers movies, universally, you consider to be. Not very good. Not very good. Right. They right. usually don't rate very high for going Rotten Tomatoes or however we're going to do it. But they make a lot of money. This Batman is the same boat. It's making a lot of money, but it's not getting very good reviews. Does the studio look at that and go, we don't care. If you're, they're going and seeing it, we don't care what the views are. Now, I, I think fans want to be... They want to be justified by saying, well... We want, you know, that's what they, that, that was such a, a stink over the Dark Knight when it came out because people were crazy for Dark Knight. And anybody who talked against it was just ostracized. Yeah. And so I think fans are, I mean, do fans, as fans, ask ourselves, do we care if it makes a billion dollars? Do we care that it's rated, it's getting a low rating? Viewers don't like it, but it's making money. So we'll get more. Or do we care that, it, that the public and the viewers, 
rated higher. Do you want to be? You know, I I go all the way back to Batman '89 on this one because I remember the year that that movie came out. You couldn't go anywhere without the bat symbol being on a a poster board or, or you know street sign or, or shaved into somebody's head or whatever. I must have bought about 15 bat shirts. Right, and and. and it became this huge pop culture phenomenon for everybody involved. And that was the summer that you walked tall because it was like, finally, I'm right. You know? And you had that. And so every time one of these comes out, you want that same contact high. <laughs> well, so not only that, yeah, you, you want people to go to the movie and enjoy it and understand a little bit more about why we would be excited to read a comic book and why why comic book mythology is such a, you know, kind of suck-you-in kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I worry less about the, the cultural impact. I worry about the personal impact. I, I want Batman and Superman and these, these these characters. They mean a lot to me because I grew up with them. I saw them on TV as a kid. I read their books as a kid. To me, I want these characters to embody the kind of value system that I want to see. And I don't want a Superman who never smiles. Right. I want a Superman who is very personable. I want the Supermans that, that we've seen that you know could talk a person off of a ledge. I don't. I don't want a Superman that. It, that is, you know, just constantly referred to as nothing but a giant powerhouse that blows up buildings and knocks things down. Now, are, are you referring to that comic strip that was put out recently where it showed someone getting ready to jump off a building and Superman shows up and talks to the police officer, the police officer says, are you going to get him down? He goes, no, I'm going to talk to him. Yes, that, that, there, there's that, and then there's also the portion from All-Star Superman where the, the, the young woman is standing out on the ledge and she's contemplating jumping because her psychiatrist isn't home or something and and Superman flies up there and he's like you know he's stuck in traffic he really is and everything's okay and she just hugs him and you don't even see if he you know takes her off the ledge or anything you just you know from that moment that what he said has touched her and that's the part of Superman that I really think is you know he's supposed to be a down home farm boy with all of his powers and realistically you want that contact with that down home man portion the super parties yeah, I think they, extraneous. I think they did. This movie had too much yeah. table dressing. There, there had to have so much in it. I mean, a lot like um, look at Iron Man two, for instance. You know, I don't. I know people don't like Iron Man two. I, I enjoy it. It's not as good as Iron Man, but I enjoy it. But you can see there's a lot of stuff that they had to put in to set up. Shield and set up the Avengers and set up other movies, so it feels kind of shoehorned in. This moves the same way. It has a lot of stuff that we have to set up. You know, we have to set up these other metahumans. We have to set up Dark Tide's coming. We have to set up all this conflict that the movie is very, very dense. And I think it tries to accomplish a lot of stuff, and I don't think it quite makes it. I think it, as as a movie, I think on that level. It fails because it, I think it aspires to be something more important and have some, some deeper meaning. I don't think it works. Well, I can tell you this. I, I don't, I don't, I haven't bothered to pick up Superman comics looking over 10 years because the character bores the crap out of me. He's a, he's a, he's an Eagle Scout and I'm like, so why do I bother reading this? It's a waste of my time. What, the thing that you're missing is right now is probably a timing you'd actually enjoy the comic books because they don't write him as the Eagle Scout. Everybody's afraid to write him as the Eagle Scout because they don't know how to write him. 
Because Neil born, Adams is putting out a series right now that, that the reign of the Superman, mm-hmm. and that is the closest to the old Superman that I remember yeah, reading anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I picked that up recently just because it was Neil Adams yeah. doing Superman, and he looks like Superman to me. So I've, I've been picking up and I've been enjoying it. And well, that's why I like this this particular rendition of Superman because he wasn't a boring Eagle Scout. He didn't put me to sleep in the theater. I did. So Christopher Reeve put you to sleep in the theater after the first movie. Yes. Every every Superman iteration just got worse and worse and worse. And I was like, I don't even... I, at the, the last Superman movie he was in, I had no interest in seeing. I didn't bother to go see it because it felt like a waste of my time. You talking about Man of Steel or no, Superman Stories? With Christopher oh, Man, oh, yeah. in it. I, I like Richard Pryor, but the whole movie... Oh, was, I mean, I saw... I, I, that was one of the movies Why that I almost that walked... Dark? I almost walked out of that theater because I was bored. The, it just bored the crap out of me. And this character, this version of Superman, the the, the circumstances that he is in do not warm. They give him depth and make him a real person, as opposed to a cardboard cutout. He has he has more dimensions. He's almost a full three dimensional character in 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 the, in uh, uh, Man of Steel. And, and, and I wanted them to explore that more. I think this movie suffers from having too much Batman, and Superman is kind of the co-star. Yeah, I mean, oh, absolutely. I think we needed, and I'm, I'm stealing this from the podcast, but I think we needed another movie between because in this one we jump over, you know, Superman meets Lois Lane and Man of Steel, and then suddenly two years later they're in love. He's, he's at the point where he's going to propose to her. Yeah. Was that the point? <laughs> that's that's one of the things that made me shake my head. But and I guess I'll go ahead. Uh, this is Brian. I'll go ahead and give my, my bits on, on this. Uh, the, we've saw, I've seen it twice now, um, my, my whole family. And I remember the first time I saw it, uh, I had, like I did for Star Wars The Force Awakens, this feeling of dread, this feeling of doom and gloom because of things that I just knew were going to happen in the, in the fight. Number one, that, that you know what Batman was going to do to him. And that Batman would either have his hands around his throat, or he'd have you know his hand under his foot. And I just didn't want to see that. I really didn't, and I knew it was going to happen. So I had that horrible feeling all through the movie. That's why I had to see it a second time, so I could relax and take in everything and see if I'm really enjoying this or not. Ultimately, I did. The second time I watched it, I enjoyed the movie. Now there are things that made me shake my head. Um, did you do it more the second time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jimmy Olsen, bland. Yeah, they, they actually had stated in, in the post credit stuff that that was Jimmy Olsen that they murdered yeah, in yeah, the desert. Um, the camera that, guy. There was bad the editing. Guy. The, yeah, okay. there was bad editing in that movie. Horrible. Uh, and the, the most pointed one was the bathroom scene. You think that was? I, I've got one other, but you go on ahead and watch. Uh, the other thing that that really stuck out to me, I, I mean, just disjointed scenes that made me go, "What? Why?" But um, kryptonite. How did that kryptonite become kryptonite? In, in, all, in all variations of the Superman history, the idea of kryptonite was whatever process that caused the planet to explode is what turned all that material to kryptonite. The material aboard these ships. Wasn't the, part of that explosion. The Phantom Zone, yeah. Yeah. So all of a sudden, this stuff turns to kryptonite, and you know, but that was the plot device. That was what they had to use. That was the MacGuffin. Yeah. But 
and so much was spent on that. My 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 transition, the thing that I hated, that really shows how badly the editing was, is Perry White coming out looking for Clark, and he goes, "Where is Clark? Does he turn around and click his heels and, and disappear off to Kansas every couple minutes?" And then the next scene is not Superman in Kansas; it's some other place, and you're sitting there going, "This was a scene transition, and you guys just really messed this up." The movie was. Really well, that's my question: Is she? Is his mother? The, her farm is in Kansas, right? Yeah. The diner she's working at is that in Kansas from Metropolis? Kansas. But it seems like she's in Metropolis. It seems that. that they, well, I mean, if she's there in the city. Hey, yeah, and, and explain where Gotham is. It's across the bay from Metropolis, yeah, which, is, which, is, which is yeah, that's uh, Jersey City. Yeah. Jersey. <laughs> but the other thing, the other thing that I thought that, that fell flat through the entire movie was every Frank Miller reference that they tried to throw in there. Yes. Because they tried to use the lines, they tried to use all the bits and pieces the from visuals. the Dark Knight Returns, the visuals and all that, and not a one of them gave the breadth or power that you got when you read The Dark Knight Returns way back when. You didn't feel any of that, and it just felt like it was fan wankery. It, it was a lot like Watchmen, where Snyder stole all the visuals, but you felt really, they felt really empty. I, I felt there was a lot of visuals that were beautiful and looked like the book, but I just felt, this is this doesn't have the depth that the, that the Dave Gibbons stuff... I think you've hit no. Snyder on the head. He, yeah. Visually, he can do some pretty stunning stuff, but he's not... He doesn't touch the emotions. Right, and he's not subtle about anything. Yeah, but I, I think also the, the in Watchmen, there were actors that, that hit the nail on the head with their characters so well. Jackie Earl Haley, for sure, uh, for certain, hit Rorschach you know, with a sledgehammer. You know? Oh, yeah. I love that character. Right. Yeah. Um, in, in this one, though, it was just, you know, again, it was like J.J. Abrams with Star Trek. You know, just like, oh, look, I put Khan in there. Look, you know, there's like, a triple. Yeah, look, yeah. <laughs> Lois has been thrown off a building again. Yeah, triples, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But then in a Star Trek, right? You like that. <laughs> well, my, my question is, do you think that the movie earned Superman's, again, spoilers, Superman's death? I mean, are we supposed to feel the emotion for him dying because he's Superman, he's been around for 75 years? Or, I mean, movie-wise, we've seen twice. Right. You so know, does it earn that death? This is the Chris Nolan trouble that I have with his Batman trilogy. Because in the Batman trilogy, Batman begins, <coughs> it takes him years and years to build up the idea of becoming the Batman. He becomes Batman, and Batman begins last. The parts where he's actually Batman last, how long would you say? Three months, maybe? But we'll give it three months, just to be generous. The Dark Knight takes place how long after Batman begins? Almost immediately, isn't Almost it? immediately. So we could say... Sounds like okay, a year later, maybe? Maybe. Okay, so maybe a year and three months, he's Batman before he quits. For eight years, okay, wow, that's a and then he comes back and he's Batman for a week. Gets his back broke, has gone for another three months. <laughs> comes back at the very end, beats the bad guy and dies. Okay, is he gone for three months in that movie? Because that timeline—that's one of the things that I disliked about that movie. Is that timeline did not make a lick of sense. It was like he was gone. It, it, but okay, he's, he's gone for three months in in the in the in the prison, but in the real world, he's gone like a week and a half. Well, don't, that, yeah. don't, don't they occupy Gotham for three months? Yeah, yeah, they uh, occupy Gotham for, but, for several months. Yeah. But, but, that, no, no, but that's that's the point. Yeah, that was just well, that was just that the was whole disjointed. Point there is that you want disjointed? That how was disjointed. Long? I will was, agree. That's that's not Batman my favorite was Batman not, movie either. No. Batman was no, not a that. figure in Gotham long enough no. to be a legend. Yeah. yeah, to be no. loved. 
this Superman has not been around long enough. 18 months. That's it. 18 months. He has not been around long enough to be legend, to be loved. You know, they built the statue because of the, the battle with the Kryptonians. They built the statue because, yeah, he helped save the world. Took out the, the world engine. But he has not become that, that he shouldn't have become that world-loved character yet. Now, the death, sacrificing his life to sit there and fight uh, the guy with no jump. <laughs> Doomsday with an EMP. That's yeah. my, my son, who doesn't know anything about Doomsday in the comics, commented. He goes, "They messed up Doomsday." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And he goes, I can tell "He has a, an EMP." I can tell if that was an EMP or just some kind of you special effect. He has to have the EMP. As soon as he comes out and he's up on top of the building and they got the, the spotlights on him, my wife leans over and goes, "He's got no junk." <laughs> That's the worst thing about it. You know where it. she was looking. <laughs> well, he's telling me he didn't know. I mean, it was a it, no, no, it was yeah. it was Lex Luthor's love <laughs> child. Yeah, Lex Luthor and Zod. You know, it's like Connor Kent, Lex Luthor and and and, and Superman. Well, what we're trying to say here is, is subtly, is that there's a reason why these people are over, you know, compensating. Maybe that's why Alexis. Maybe it's why Alexis is trying to compensate. So that's, hard. that's that's exactly. And also maybe that's what Doomsday represents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay, this is all over. right off the rails. Super power. Oh my! <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's Rip go around again. <laughs> The hardest thing about the movie yeah. was no junk on Doomsday. <laughs> I mean, he he can absorb nuclear radiation, but how would he take it out? Mm. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm detecting detecting some well, okay. very logical maybe thoughts. The, along those maybe lines. the MP is the way. <laughs> oh, maybe the maybe the maybe we're just looking at that whole entire explosion thing wrong. You're looking at it wrong. We're just looking. He at it was wrong. just guessing. He needed Pepto <laughs> or Imodium. Oh, you know, you, you've just now renamed flatulence in my household. Every time I hear, I've got a doomsday. There you go. <laughs> You could have a better association now, could you? (laughs) But, you know, there were so many things about Doomsday that was just wrong to me. I mean, again, he still looked like the cave troll from from, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. I agree. To me. And, of course, when the bones and stuff started coming out, it was almost like Wolverine, you know? Yeah. Uh, Just... There there was much about that bad guy that, that I feel failed. Uh, he he was he was supposed to be, you know, and in in a sense for Superman, he was a devastating character. But all he was was just mindless brute force. It had no direction. Had no had no. Okay, if if I'm Lex Luthor, I'm gonna create a weapon, right? Mm-hmm. I want a weapon I can control. I can point and I can shoot, and it will drop what I'm shooting at. I don't want to unleash. Basically, a rampaging nuke that's just gonna go. But he had go tonight. The amazing, the amazing. Not thing, anymore. He didn't. Not true. when he was done. Yeah. The amazing thing he is, knew Frank, he 
Frank is Frank has actually pointed out exactly what Doomsday was in the comic books and why I felt they got him right. That was Doomsday in the comic books. He was a force of nature. He wasn't really a person. And I don't think Lex really knew what he was creating when he created him. He was just well. The first thing he does when he he comes out of his little cocoon, he looks like he's trying to punch Lex. Yeah, and then Superman intervenes and stops him. And then you know, just waited a second. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Superman does. You know, uh, one other thing that occurred to me as we were talking earlier, the bathroom scene. Yeah. And, and, you know, Clark just jumping in the tub with her. You know, it talks about, basically, it speaks a very physical relationship with the two of them. Right. How does that work? I mean, if you, you know. You're talking about the Man of Steel woman of Kleenex. Yeah. Oh, that's. You can that you, know, you, you, you have to you know you can't, if you try to look at that too hard you're not going to be able to well no I, accept I, the fact I, they can be together or not. I'd always <clears throat> gone by the John Byrne version, and in the John Byrne version, I always believed it possible because as they couple the that aura that aura protects her, or, you know, puts them on an even playing field. Yeah, but if she gets pregnant, then oh man, that's not going to work. Maybe the baby would have an aura. Maybe. Um, Maybe he has kryptonite condoms. What's up with but that would guy? kill him. Um, Batman? <laughs> He's um, going to be quick. You know? One what? thing about Batman that I really didn't understand was his dream. I, there's an Easter egg right there. Which dream? Because there um, were two. The, <laughs> the yes. The one time even a dream. Yeah. Um, there's the one where um, Bat- Batman was all suited up. Right. Yeah. And he was wearing that jacket. Uh-huh. Right. Those things that were flying yeah. down. Right. Yeah. And we know all those creatures that Doomsday controls. No. Darkseid. Those parademons. Darkseid controls the parademons. Yeah. Yeah. We know what he's Um, those could be parademons and Darkseid's coming to Earth. That's exactly what we're thinking is going to happen. That's why the Justice League has to form. So my question is, why, if if the world has basically gone to hell as it has, why is he still wearing the mask? Is Batman is he trying to protect his identity from anybody? Yeah. No, that mask was protecting him from bullets. Didn't you see those bullets bounce right off the the cow? Yeah, but at the same time, it's a symbolic thing at that point. He's Batman as long as he's kind of free and running. Maybe people have to, oh, look, Batman's still around. We're still safe. The one thing this movie did that I've been complaining about for Batman for years, he has like a voice modulator. He changes his voice. So he doesn't have to do the raspy voice. Well, and they modulated Ben's voice, too. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they they made his voice lower. We talked about that before, but they made his voice a good half octave lower than it normally is. Because Ben talks like this. I didn't know they did that. Bruce Wayne talks like this. Not Batman talks like this. And Batman talks like this. It's easy. (laughs) So, uh... Worst scene because I really have one that I okay. Let's do that. Let's do worst scene. When you worst scene or best scene? The the scene where he saves Lois at the very beginning and takes that guy through several walls that should kill him automatically. Like like he doesn't care that anybody else dies like Jimmy Olsen or all those other people that got shot and killed. But oh oh, Lois Lois is in danger. I've got to be there. Good point. My worst scene. Yeah. The worst scene. Martha, why'd you say Martha? Why'd you say that? Oh, you hated the flip. I hated that. That made no sense. Yeah. I mean, now, if you're a crook and you're in Gotham, you want to get away from Batman. Don't tell Martha. Dark side, I've come to take over. I must stop you. Just like my mom, Martha, says that she'd stop me. Wait, your mom's name is Martha? Let's be friends. (laughs) Right? 
I, I, there was one scene that that, that I it is a scene that I've seen in a lot of movies that this this happens a lot in movies. Um, everyone comes to the conclusion. Oh my God, we need kryptonite to kill this thing, right? And um, and Lois has just thrown the spear into the pit, right? And all of a sudden, as if she has an earpiece and can hear Batman and Wonder Woman talking, oh, I need to go get, go back and get the spear. She's got no communication with them. Now, yes, she's an intelligent woman. Condom thought. But how, better to need it. How did she... Better to have it, not need well, it. And that's the other thing that I disliked about it. That's what I disliked about the spear is that that even, even Batman decided, well, I'm not going to kill him with the spear. I'm going to throw away the spear. Are you on drugs? How much money did you spend acquiring the, the components to make this spear? And then you're just going to get pissed off and throw it away? And then she's like, oh, well, we can't have this laying around anywhere, so I'm just going to throw it in a pit, pit where it can just lay around anywhere. Even if you're not going to use it against Superman, protect it. Take it. Put, put it, it in a safe. So then she gets she gets in her head. Oh, I think I need to go get the spear. And then she goes as if she's been telepathically communicated to. She goes and gets the spear and gets herself you know trapped and all that blah blah. But the thing is that the plot demanded it. That's the whole the whole um, somebody obtaining knowledge that they have no means of which to obtain in the course of a storyline, uh, and then acting on that knowledge uh, to to move the plot on. That's something that happens over and over and over again that I strongly dislike and that's one of the scenes that I really disliked in the movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, everybody go around but I got some of my piggyback on that. Okay, yeah. so my, my worst scene, those are all great bad scenes, but my worst scene horrible, terrible worst scene was we get all of these little computer files from Lex yeah. and every every person has this really cool computer file and then we get to Wonder Woman and it's her taking money out of her bank and it is an actual scene where she goes to the ATM and it, they could have like substituted in just a photo to show her she's been alive for so long but oh no we get an actual scene that takes half a minute of her withdrawing funds showing oh, modern day technology to show she's these yeah. are the parts of the movie that realistically when you're looking at Snyder you're just going really cut this stuff down find a way to put in some establishing shots and take some of these shots out now the the music that they Interplayed in there. It well, definitely wasn't Hans Zimmer stuff. It was, I guess, that junkie, uh, whatever. Oh, when she first came on stage, that oh, driving every, beat, every, whatever. Every that time is. that they went to her or Cyborg or Flash or, or Aquaman, yeah. they played this yeah. other music that was obviously not Hans Zimmer to me. And it was so out of place with everything else that was going on, except for maybe with Aquaman. The, the Doomsday fight, also, we're going to get to Christopher in a sec. The Doomsday fight, also, um, one, one of the uh, pod, podcasts or video casts I listened to said that. The, the doomsday fight actually had like uh, like like industrial you know yeah. kind of music and I didn't notice that at all rave music rave music was what they and I didn't notice that but maybe it did I, I don't know Christopher you said you, you, you thought you had a really worse scene what was your worst scene every time I saw dark sides full I'm uh, not dark sides um, doomsday's full body yep yep yeah. no no, no, no. <laughs> hey, you giving your work hey, Could have been retracted. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's an improvement. Yeah. That's a real boner, huh? Adds a whole <laughs> new meaning to. My favorite scene. New meaning to turtling. 
Oh, oh. Am I also? And I have another um, unbearable scene I cannot believe. What's that? It's when Wonder Woman just went like dashing through there and she went like the Flash. I can't believe that. I can't believe it. Nobody's faster than the Flash but the Flash. Well, I don't think that meant that she was faster than the Flash. She just meant she was fast. I mean, she was an Amazon. She's constantly chased by men going, please, please. <laughs> no, I gotta ask, did you guys kind of get really pumped when you saw her pull out the lasso? I never saw her pull it out. I never saw her when they showed it. I didn't know that she had it at all until all of a sudden, wow, she's got him roped up with the lasso and it's glowing and it's... I like the bracelets. I like the bracelets quite a bit. They just did Doomsday's heat visuring and she's like... She the residual heat on them when they were... Yeah, I was impressed by the sword because almost never uses a sword and I was like that sword's tough it's a, that's a, I, I don't know any mythology they really brought sword. in the weaponry more in the last 25 years I know John Byrne did, did, did Perez use much weaponry in his I never I never Byrne brought in the, you know, the weaponry and, and the shields and stuff I thought the sword was impressive I know when yeah. they brought her back in New 52 they had, she gave her a sword and a shield right? right. yeah well, I'm going to I want to talk about best best scenes, but I want to talk about something Frank mentioned about kind of movie tropes. And there was one of this when Superman, his task to go over and basically kill Batman. He lands, there's Batman, and he says, hey, you got to help me out. And instead of saying, hey, Lex Luthor's got my mom, help me. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. says, there's no time. I can't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. They, that's some you see in movies all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's Take annoying. the time, shout it out, and he then and then also when he says they're gonna kill Martha, he wouldn't say that. Yeah, He'd say mom, or my mom. Yeah. All right, Brian, your best. Best, best scene. Best scene in the movie. The scene that made you wet your pants. The scene that made me wet my pants. Oh my. Um, think about that. What was my favorite scene in the movie? Um, I don't know. Because uh, I'm still sitting there thinking about the ones that I didn't like. Like the explosion in the Senate. Or, or wherever they were having oh, the whole thing there. The whole turning the glass of piss and the explosion there, killing Mercy Graves. And all that's right in front of Superman who just... Stands, stands there, there and does, does nothing. But, they, but uh, he, he could have saved someone. He couldn't have done anything. Yes, he could have. Because by the, the he said himself, I could have done, I could have stopped it, but I wasn't looking. Yeah. And that's the point that I think was really well reinforced, is that, yes, he is a man, and he can only stop what he's okay. looking for. Okay, well, he's a man. Love he is a man, and when his father died, what did he do? He screamed at you know, all that. There was you saw all those emotions and everything going across his face, and that was a you know. But that was a room full of people that were not his dad. Yeah, but there's a room full of people he's sworn to protect. Right. Right. He's sitting there. This explosion happens, and does his expression go? Oh my God! You know, just do you see his eyes widen? Nothing. He's sitting there looking no, down, no, no. doing. He gets depressed. <laughs> That's what we need. He goes. He, he realizes at that point he can't save everybody. No, I agree. With I Frank like saying that. that. This, you do see this scene. There is a sense of why well, couldn't I prevent it? Yes. And I, I agree. I don't know how he could have. I mean, it, it went off. I don't know how you could have saved anybody. 
Did any of you catch, though, in the scene following where he's on the balcony talking to Lois mm-hmm. and his accent slipped away and you could hear his British accent? I just didn't notice it. missed it. Yeah, you know, it's like the first time I'm like, did I hear that right? What, I mean, okay, let me let me rephrase that. It wasn't necessarily slipped into his British accent, but he slipped out of his Clark Kent or Superman voice into his Henry Cable voice. Huh. And, and, and it, I, I noticed that and I'm just like, whoa, that, you know. Why not another take? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not another take? Well, you know that that this brings up the, the another bad scene. And another bad scene is okay. So he flies to the Fortress of Solitude and he stands there, and now he gets Dream Dad to come and tell him a story he's never heard before. Or we're just assuming he's remembering something that Dad says. Is that the Fortress of Solitude? No. How is he on a mountain? I don't know. He's in the middle of the Arctic or something. He's in the snow. Again, I don't know how or where that came about. What 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 caused that to happen? If that was just like he's really that messed up in the head that he's having these kinds of visions. Yeah. It's not when he's laying down and going to sleep. It's when he's standing and walking around. Yeah, and he's talking to his dad like the dad is there. And the dad gives him this story. And the story is, you know, we, we, we tried to save our farm and we ended up killing the neighbors or something. I don't know. Yeah. But the, the idea here is, is again, and like okay, you, you can't save everybody. You can't save everybody. It's a good reinforcement for Butterfly this plot point, But really, it, it's, it feels weird that... We've got two superheroes, and they're both kind of psychotic in ways. They're dreaming of weird things and seeing people like that. Do you know what he made me think of when when he was sitting there telling that story? The old Dungeons & Dragons cartoon that we watched in the 80s. Uh, Dungeon Master given the power to Eric, and Eric starts bringing water up. He goes, no, 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 because when you do that, you take water away from someone else. Uh, You know, it's just like... Okay, yeah. I think they had some good ideas to explore in Superman. One, I, I don't know we needed in this film. I wanted to have one more film. This is like, we've had maybe one or two or three, maybe this is the third or fourth film that we can explore. That He's been Superman for a while. Maybe he's having his problems. Because you, it's true. I don't care how who he is. He can't save everybody. He can't be everywhere. He has to realize that. But they... But they kept, they kind of just hinted at it. They kept turning away, and they had to go back to the main story. They had to go back to Batman. They had to go back to Lex and, and move this story along. Right. Set all these events up so we can have this, you know, the next, you know, all this, yeah, all this stuff that's going to happen in all these other movies that Superman kind of gets, he's, he seems distracted throughout the whole film. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you asked what was my favorite part of the is after... <coughs> Batman had used the kryptonite grenade on him the first time, and there he's sitting there and they're fighting around, and all of a sudden he's bum, bum, kum, kum, ding, ding, ding. That was it. That was my favorite part of the whole movie. Well, my favorite part's a Batman scene, also. What is it? Go for it. It is when he is flipping through the air, grabs the guy's head, and puts it into the floor. And I went, yes, that's Batman. I was like, I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm on board. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think. Are you still thinking? Too? I'm thinking. You go and go. All right. I'm, I'm having I, I really enjoyed the cave troll battle. I really liked that. And it's dumb because I really didn't like the Doomsday track in the comics, but I enjoyed this a, a bunch. My, my favorite part had to be when we actually see Superman acting a little bit like the Superman I know. He's grabbed the kryptonite spear. He's obviously hurting from holding it so close to him. And he's slamming straight toward uh, Doomsday. Batman's trying to distract him. Wonder Woman's got him in the la- got Doomsday in the lasso. And Batman's kind of waiting for that time frame in which we see all three of them kind of acting in concert. 
and I felt a little bit involved in that at that point. I went, yeah. you know, we've got we've got stakes. We've got a, a reason to care about these characters a little bit and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and we feel like there is actual jeopardy for, you know, one or more of them. And that actually was where we needed to be the whole entire movie. Instead of often this, we're trying to build up some kind of feeling for A character and then for B character we need to do this. It, it felt really chess piece manipulative and I just never felt like it was genuinely emotional. And by far the most unnecessary scene in the movie, The Flash in this little crisis or God's Among Us scene where Mexican Flash Flash, Mexican Flash Flash. is (laughs) Mexican Slacker Flash is your podcast is not going to have any people the Hispanic people will rise up and murder you now my son is is Mexican oh that's right Uh, (laughs) don't make fun of me so is my daughter you know just come on come on we're we're all the same you know I mean but the thing is like he did not look like any kind of Barry Allen Flash so that you know I I and and that whole segment right there to me it was like man okay so he's trying to give us that whole crisis on infinite earth or you know gods among us feeling flashpoint something you're trying to do something and you know the flash didn't even look like the flash to me he you know Ugh. That that to me was just some, so completely unnecessary. And now we know that in a future movie, Flash has got to sit there and do the whole thing through time. He's got to go back, and we got to see that that particular well, scene from another angle. I'm sure that was their idea when they filmed made this movie, but who knows, well, who knows how it's going to unfold for Warner Brothers now? Well, there's a point that I think needs to be made. When we were talking about the financials earlier, the one thing that's missed on so many people. Is Warner Brothers has already made all their money back on this movie just on the merchandising alone? Ah, uh, that's not true. The, the, the toys are selling. Well, if all the toys are selling, great. But if you but how much of that goes back to Warner Brothers? Yeah, if you come back at the end of this cycle and you find that Warner Brothers has had to discount a whole load of stuff because the drop off in this was so steep, stuff that hasn't come out yet that they were already building and in the, in the plants and ready to go. Merchandising is a big thing if your movie sells and is hot. But, I mean, I'll be honest with you. My son came out of it saying it was mad, and he's 11, and he's not probably the the age range for a lot of these toys anymore. But if an 11-year-old is going mad, then the younger kids maybe even... Well, this movie is almost... I think it's almost... He loves it, but I think it's almost too dark for his age. Exactly. Exactly. You need a a bright... You need the Iron Man Avengers-y type stuff. If we're going to have dark Batman, let's have white Superman. Exactly. we, We have dark and dark. Dark and darker. <laughs> you know, there's no contrast. I mean, you have a little bit with Wonder Woman, but she's not really in it enough. She's just kind of making a cameo. So, I, don't know. I guess my favorite scene. Wonder, Wonder Woman had some of the better, better moments on screen. She always. There was not a point where you're sitting there going, that's not Wonder Woman. There were points where Batman did things, you said, that's not Batman. There were points where Superman did things, you said, that's not Superman. But Wonder Woman never had. That I agree. Moment. I think she, the actress, Looks the part, and she she played it uh, very successfully. I mean, much more than Eisenberg. I I don't um, like his looks and You were gonna go with your favorite favorite scene. I, would, I, I don't have one, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably say the the kryptonite chase where he's chasing the the trailer trying to get in the Batmobile. Oh, okay. I mean, he's killing people left and right. <laughs> that that to is, me looked like a it looked like a. Uh, 
Batman Arkham Knight scene. Oh yeah. 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 There were no, there were no standout. Uh, and I had the same, kind of same problem with the new Star Wars. There are no standout set pieces. I mean, the fight. I, I noticed when I was watching the fight again last night. And it might have been because it was one in the morning, but I was just kind of zoning out. Like, okay, fight, fight, punchy, punchy, run, run. You know, it's fight, 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 fight. <laughs> you did get your destruction. punchy, punchy, run, run. Uh, so I kind of started zoning out in that. Uh, I thought the, the scenes, maybe the, all the scenes with uh, Affleck as Batman, I thought when he was infiltrating Lex Luthor's uh, uh, house or, uh, or whatever, and he was kind of planning his little bug, I thought that was interesting. The kind of stuff he did with... Alfred, I thought I thought um, Jeremy Irons was great as Alfred. Oh, yep. yeah. He's more of an assistant oh, yeah. than a butler, but I thought oh. uh, he did a, a great job with that. Yeah, yeah he was the one that was actually able to put out Frank Miller lines and make them sound natural yeah. and fit within the framework of the story. He ha- he had that he had that level of Alfred or that level of uh, yeah. He would make a great. Uh, if he, he wasn't Alfred, he would make a great Commissioner Gordon, don't you think? Uh, yeah. I can see it. Yeah, I, can see I like that. Gary Oldman in it, but I think uh, well, is J.K. isn't J.K. Simmons Gordon going to be Gordon in the upcoming? Oh, he'll be perfect too. Yeah. I don't, I don't Simmons know. Simmons is good I mean, at anything. You see him so much as J. Jonah now. You, you <laughs> J. Jonah was so over the top, yeah. but he yeah, had to be. Jason he was good, and you know they didn't, they didn't ever had. J. Jonah Jameson in the, uh, the last two Spider-Man movies. I don't know if they're going to want to use him. saw him. Anything going saw, I think Parker got an email or something from him. Latest latest buzz is that they're going to be people from MCU crossing over into the Spider-Man yes. movie, which I think is going to be great. That's going to be great. Oh, they're going to cross-pollination yeah, between Sony. I just television hope, characters or movie characters? Movie characters, movie characters not characters. the television characters. Now, I, I'm going to break for a moment because you, you did that. You took us out. Uh, <laughs> it's your fault. We blame you. Has any, have any of you watched Daredevil? Yes. Only the first season. The second I'm season through the so second awesome. Season. And they've done things that set up Born Again, the Born Again storyline. Good. I would love it if they could find a way of getting Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, and and um, uh, Chris, uh, what's his name? Evans. Chris Evans in there for that Born Again scene where the Avengers come into Hell's Kitchen. I don't know if you remember Wait, that Born Again. I don't remember that. It was a great scene because like, there was a big fight with Nuke and Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen. And so there's fire all around, bombs and mortars have gone off and everything. And then it's like there's a there's a can we get a medic over here? <clears throat> and Daredevil just says there's a voice that calls out that could command a god. And you see Captain America carrying someone that's hurt. And he does. And he goes Bring down the rain, and then Thor brings down the rain, you know. And then Iron Man's standing there telling Daredevil to stand away from Nuke because they want to take him into custody. And he goes, a man standing there with about 10 billion volts of electricity telling me to stand you know, stand away. Not being an idiot, he does. I think it was Ben Yurick that was actually narrating that scene. But the sad part here could, is... they can do that in the Daredevil series, that would be, that would be neat. Yeah. Um, the problem to me, of course, are these people all going to be around after Civil War? Yeah. yeah. You no. think? Oh, yeah. Uh, if, if they're going to kill anybody, I, I'd say it's going to be Hawkeye. It's going to be Rhodey. It's going to be minor characters. Uh, my, I, I disagree. I think, it, if anything, it'll be 
It'll either be the, ma- the major characters because you can't get them back. I mean, how much is Rob Downey Jr. costing? And he's done with his contract. Yeah. Yes. So, but that's easy for him. You just put somebody else in his suit. Uh, well, Rhodey, you know, took over. For oh, wow. Okay. So Rhodey could be. You know, Rhodey could be on the Iron Man. I know Evans is talking about whether he's going to stay with him or not. But what do you want to say? I'm going back to Batman vs Superman. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Bring us back. Very good. Um, my favorite scene from Batman vs Superman. You guys forgot about me, kinda. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, your favorite scene? I know. I said that I hated seeing. Um, um, Dark, um, Doomsday. Oh, his whole body. But I saw his whole body when he was next to the Superman statue, and then he held up the the big piece, that marble piece of wall. To me, when he threw Superman right there, and it just looked like that. I felt like it was, he was saying, baby want toy or something. Because <laughs> okay. they're so strong together. It would be like, he's the little baby and Doomsday's the big yeah, odd know, fellow. There was, there was a scene during the fight where Superman had regained his powers. And you could see that, you know, he's flying, he's doing all the stuff he could. And then he knocks Batman down, and it looks like he's actually struggling to pick him up. You know, grabbing him by the waist and repositioning, and then throws him through the wall. And I just thought that really looked, you know, that right there kind of hurt them. It, it, it took me out of the movie for a second. How about when he, when he like, grapples Superman's legs or whatever, and he swings him around by the, the gun, and you're like, going, uh, this, this is getting into bad self-parody of it. This is Aliens versus para- uh, Predator guy thing. It's just not No, so this is... This is actually like Pokemon versus Uh-oh. Beyblades. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's just crossing so the wrong. You're crossing the streams. You gotta stay on track. Batman vs. Superman. Right, Batman cool. vs. Superman Let's is like just anime versus anime. Let's talk about Superman's, uh, Batman's turn when he, the whole Martha scene. Oh, bad, yeah. yeah. He's so dead set on stopping Superman. He's, he's focused on that. And all it takes is Superman mentioning Martha and then, and of course, then I'm a friend of your son's yeah and that's of course that's been you know drilled into our heads the whole movie because we keep seeing you know apparently Batman didn't care too much about his father dying it was all about his mom well this is the first time that they've actually explored that it's always been about his father. the father father yeah and and so I didn't have any problem with that of course I did have a problem that his parents happened to be Negan and Maggie from Walking Dead yeah <laughs> I was wondering was why that, who that was. Yeah, I didn't contend. Jeffrey one. Dean Morgan, who also played the comedian in Watchmen. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, he was he was you know uh, Thomas Wayne. That's who I, I didn't. I was like I don't recognize those characters. Yeah, I couldn't tell who yeah. he was. And Maggie, that was Maggie. Oh, that was Maggie. That was Maggie. Yeah, 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 well, they, they had long hair on. My problem with that whole scene was I know what has to happen because they has to get have to get mugged. If his father was rich at that point, he was right, because obviously he had to leave the money to Bruce when Bruce's kid. Why is Alfred not picking him up in a car? Why are they not in a limo? Why are they not in a taxi? Why are they walking to wherever they're walking to in an alley to get mugged? And why does he have to, you know, just give him your wallet? Why does he have to stand forward and try to punch the guy? The guy's got a gun. He's going to punch him. The whole entire scene, I, I understand why we get it because we need to have Martha's name mentioned yeah. another time. Yeah. But realistically, it feels so 
forced. We don't need to see Batman's parents die every single Batman movie. It's wrong. You know, it's funny. In, in all these years, in all these years, I never for once considered the fact that both their mothers were named Martha. Yeah. It never dawned on me. That's okay. Well, and it's Snyder's never been brought genius. up in the comics as far as I know. Both both Iron Man and Steve Rogers' best friends are named James. <laughs> One of the things that, that uh, 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 I, I had uh, uh, I, you, you took me off track. I was, well, we were talking about Martha and Thomas Wayne. Well, but Batman turning. Why him, him suddenly then oh, turning? Well, the, one of the things that they always, one of the reasons why they always focused on on his dad, I, I always thought, was because I thought there, were, there was always this, in, in every book that I've ever read that retold that damn story again and again they always focus on on his dad and then there was some exploration and I can't remember what episodes by who but his dad yeah and so his dad was uh, a Batman as well and that explains why he decides it's alright to go ahead and take a swing at a bad guy because uh, in his alter ego he's also schizophrenic and is also <laughs> <laughs> The actual story, and it's funny because we uh, the first time I read it was a, a retelling of the Legend of Batman. It was the Untold Legend of Batman, with John Byrne actually did the artwork. It's his first work at uh, DC. Okay, and his father was a doctor. Went to a costume party dressed up in a bat costume. And it's a different from the, the, right. the typical Batman like costume. The At the party, gangsters come in and take him as a doctor out so he can work on another gangster that's been shot. He actually fights back at the gangster, gets him arrested, gets him put in prison. That's the guy that had the ones killed. Lou Moksan, Moksan, whatever his name is. And so years later, you know, Bruce finds the costume and he goes, Oh, wow, that's right, my dad wore that costume. That must have affected me at some point, made me actually, you know, think about this. It's not the bat that came through the window. It's my dad in the costume. And I also, I also like that in the, in the television show Gotham, Dad has a bat cave. Yes. Right? And he has a, a, granted, of course, it's, a glorified desktop, but he has a bat computer, <laughs> right? And he's got a bat bathroom. He's got, you know, yeah. I, 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 I like that exploration. I like that idea that his dad has decided that he's that he's going to also take justice into his own hands. So I can see why they're always focusing on 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 his father. That's all. I okay. You want to say something? Going back to the bat bathroom. Who does that? Bat bathroom. You got a, you got a bad cave. You're gonna have to go somewhere. Well, ever since Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's been known that That's superheroes it. can grunt and sweat and go to the bathroom. Yeah. So. But what would Superman? What would he do? He Superman doesn't go to the bathroom. His body consumes everything. His body is a, is a giant nuclear power plant. Okay, then. That's what allows him to fly and use all of his powers. He completely absorbs every bit of. Every, every matter and energy are interchangeable in his body. So when Clark Kent turns 50 and has to go to the doctor and has to get that exam, <laughs> what's going to happen then? Well, it doesn't matter. Clark Kent is dead. Remember? At the end of the movie, is in the newspaper, Clark Kent is dead. What He's are not. they going to do with that? 
He's not. That kind of destroys a lot for Superman for future stories. Because we know Superman's coming back. We know we saw the little thing start to be just from Death of Superman. He'll come back. Oh, I was trapped in the rubble for weeks. 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 (laughs) Living off crackers and water, and then I was able to, you know. I I ate part of a person, and then I took nutrients from your body. I met the mole people when they took care of me. You know, my, my main question is, the turn for Batman is, do you think the movie earns it? That he suddenly, just from hearing his the word Martha, that he is suddenly ready to listen to Superman, and now suddenly he's not. He just, I mean, he's like flipping a switch. He's just like, okay, uh, well, I'll help you out. I, I think he'd been on a fervor, you know, that, that kind of fervor and everything. He had him there. He had him at his... You know, the thing is, Superman held back at every step when he was fighting him. He held back. He no. could have killed him at any time. He could have stopped. He could have pulled off the armor. He could have heat visioned him. He could have been... And you don't think Batman's not going to realize that. He's holding back. But I think if they had they had any hand or even shot at all that, that Bruce Wayne or Batman had just maybe a little bit of a doubt about Superman. But he, throughout the whole film, he was absolutely convinced yeah. that he had to do this. You know, it's always, you know, I, I'm, right. it's my way or the highway. I, I know what's best for everybody. If they'd show a little bit of that, so then at that moment, and I wish they'd done something other than Martha. Something. Well, something. every other time that Batman killed somebody, it was in the heat of battle. It was in a moment where he was just not thinking. He was just reacting and taking care of the situation as it was. You know, putting out all the things that shoot all those guys or whatever. Reacting to the guy that says, I'll kill her, I will, I promise you. Right, right. But in that moment, he had Superman in his clutches. All he had to do was take the spear and consciously murder him. And that would be probably the first time he did it where it was a straightforward act of malice. That, that's different than you know reacting in the heat of battle. I agree, but I don't think he was hesitating at all. I think Superman had not yelled Martha. I think he would have drilled him right through the heart. I think he would have killed him. I... We'll never get that. And he he could have. I mean, he could have said Superman could have cried out. They, you know, he's got my mom. And that, I think you could have got the same reaction from Batman because right. he's so focused on his mom. Like, well, what are you talking about? And he would hesitate, and he would say, "Hey." Lex Luthor's kidnapped my mom. What do you mean come over and kill you? Right. You could, the movie could still, you know, play out the way it did. Just don't have Martha. <laughs> you had me at Martha. <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm really in the same kind of boat. I don't think that that turn was earned quite the way that they. I think you phrased it perfectly for that and. Yeah, it, it needed. It didn't need that. Well, there's a lot of stuff in this movie. I don't, I don't think they, the movie earns what it's trying to get across. Yes, Christopher. The floor recognizes Christopher. Um. Well, to go back to it, um, when you saw um Superman's dad right there on the on the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What if he was like special or something? His dad. Dad was like, not a ghost, or, or what do you mean special? What if his dad wasn't not a human, but something that was ancient, just like from the Guardians of the Galaxy? Interesting. I, I yeah. That's I why mean, Superman could be alive. Well, no, we know that Superman is is coming back. Okay, uh-huh, we basically. saw we saw the rocks on the coffin start, the dirt on the coffin start to rise. We know he's coming back. 
Now, the question is... Mullet or no? Ooh. Oh, oh, there was no mullet. There was no mullet. Look over there. It's long hair. Horrible thing to say. Look at that comic right there. It's just long hair. Somebody mentioned that because he wants to see it for some reason. Not a mullet. It's not a mullet. It's not a The mullet years, the mullet years in the 90s are all throughout the crap box. The crap box is full of the mullet years. So much mullet. Super mullet. Mike, right now, Michael Bailey Mike is going to come over to your house and he's going to chop your head open because it's not a mullet. But that being said. But no, no, I mean, the thing is, is like. So, gave Superman long hair after he came back to life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you tie it back, you know, when he was in, you know, like Clark identity in a ponytail. And, so Superman was a hipster for a few years. Yeah. Oh. Then, then he, he had this long, flowing mane kind of thing going on, like a Fabio type look. It was, and amazingly, yeah. so did Clark Kent. Yeah, it was all. And right. yet. So you see that there no, one the the con- no one made the connection. <laughs> the Jimmy Kimmel moment. <laughs> that was good. Um, the other, but the other thing about that, as far as the death of Superman and him coming back, is can the same thing happen with Doomsday? Will the same thing happen with Doomsday? See, I, I didn't read it. I read like the death and rebirth of Superman, but I never followed anything else that happened with Doomsday after that in the comic books. I read the. I've seen enough of, of what happens, but I've never read any of it. I've just read like, his origin. They did uh, what was it, uh, Hunter Killer, Hunter Killer, or Hunter Prey? Hunter, Hunter Prey. I read that, which is just his his origin. But I've never read it. There, there were times they made him talk. He had a brain at some point. He sacrificed himself for a planet or something. His, his, even in the storyline of the death of Superman, and some of the issues leading up as he started forming up the bones and everything, there was always a point where they would show his face and it looked like he had something to say, and he just couldn't do it because his jaw was bone shut. So you know, I think he had something to say. Probably something like, show me the restroom. <laughs> it's just the worst. Can I get a ham sandwich over here? <laughs> yep. The worst part of me was... Okay, well, I mean, are there any further thoughts about what you want to see coming up? Now, I think we can all agree to a man that we don't want to see Zack Snyder directing any or many more of this stuff. No, we don't. But he is going to be involved in some DCU stuff. And, and we don't know what. We know it probably won't be a Batman movie because Ben Affleck seems to have locked that up. There is a Justice League movie, I think, that he's directing, that Zack Snyder's directing, and it's not filming. I had heard that. Like next week or week after next. And depends, on, depends on what they do with the character concepts at this point. I mean, WB really has kind of fumbled the ball a lot. Um, the, what they're going to do with, with Zack, I mean, there's petitions to take him off. They're, WB has to be thinking this movie should have made a lot more money this is the first time we've ever had these two characters on screen and we're not even going to barely break a billion this should have been a, a you know 1.5 billion a 1.5 to 2 billion dollar movie property Superman and Batman together should have been a 2 billion dollar movie it should have been the Spider-Man movie where the Spider-Man movie first came out and everybody went oh my god it made that much money yeah that should have been this movie and it, it wasn't the, I think they should have I know they want to follow the Marvel formula of individual shows leading up and blending into an Avengers film, but I think that works. Do you think Brian so Singer well. could come back to DCU and, and put something together after what he's been doing in the X universe? No, I don't think he'd want to. And his Superman Returns wasn't really as it was almost as that was a love letter to Richard Donner. It was almost as badly panned as this. Yeah, but there was there were a whole bunch of questionable so story. Maybe Matthew Vaughn. 
who did first class. Maybe. Yes. You've got to find somebody who understands Superman. I think. Well, I I don't know how much to blame Zack Snyder for this film because I don't know if he didn't write it or did he write it? He wrote it Boyer. He didn't. He didn't write it. It was uh, Boyer and it was Boyer from uh, Argo. And Boyer, the Argo guy, and um, there was one other person involved in the script writing there. I think this film. I don't. I don't know how this film could have been. Chris Terrio. All the stuff they were to accomplish. I don't know how they could have. It needed a tighter script, or I don't know. Again, yeah, I, mean, I, can, I can I can blame Snyder for some of the action. I think he doesn't direct action very well. No, me- no mechanical spider. No me- <laughs> there wasn't a mechanical spider, was there? No. <laughs> there was no cave trolls, no mechanical spiders. I think we should all agree on that as well. No polar bears either. Or were there polar bears? Did we see a polar bear up in the, when, when he went to the... No. No, no, no polar bears. Do you think of the so. Coke commercial that came on before the movie? Probably, yeah. I like polar bears. They're fun to watch. I mean, I don't think Snyder is a hack as a director. I, I think he needs to tone down the slow-mo and pull back a little bit when you're, when you're filming your action because everything is so kinetic or frenetic and so close in. That's just the style today. The, the, the thing is is that with Snyder's characters in any of the movies that we've seen up till now, and Chris Honeywell pointed this out when he did his Man of Steel commentary, is that nobody really has character development. They have lines that they say, but you don't see a character arc so much. We know from the very beginning all the way to the point where he says, Martha, Batman wants to stop seeing and that's it. There's not a, an arc where you sit there and see him feeling the resolve and all that. You just see the accent, the, the the thing with the building and all that. So Batman is against Superman right now. Even if there's a one percent chance that he can sit there and you know want to destroy you, it's just a one percent chance that's enough for him to decide he's got to kill him. It's not character development. It's just let's say our lines get to this point. Okay, we see these lines. You know, unless you're a really really good actor, it's you know it's like. I and your director has to have some ability to look at the script and go, I need to right. tighten this part up. So right. let's let's play with this a little bit. Let's let's take this, these two script writers, let's give them their due, but at the same time, let's play with the character that's you. You're the character, you're the actor, you know something about how this person is supposed to be. Let's take that and allow you to put something in. And, and we don't see that. Right, he's responsible for the storytelling. There's, there's supposed to be like 30 minutes more to this movie. And... What I'm hoping to see in that 30 minutes is if they were to put that all back in, that some of those transitions will be smoother. Some of the storyline plot elements will be there. I don't think so. I'm, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm saying I'm hoping I, I think that, that that's that I'm hoping it's going to give us fill out the Superman storyline. That half an hour is going to give us Jenna Malone and her subplot. And that's the subplot that takes Batman from being the Batman Dark Knight detective to Batman bad guy killer. Because that's going to show us how Robin got killed. And that's is that the Robin will, outfit that he sees in the case that says the Joker's the joke's on you? Is that yeah. the Robin outfit? That's the Robin outfit. The guy looks terrible. I thought it was a, it, it what if his Batman suits are like yeah, that's an awful no, Robin. It's horrible. No. I think it gave me away the second time was it had a mask, a, a domino mask instead yeah. of a, a cow. So, so realistically, what you're saying is it'll take an already complicated, disjointed story, and it's going to add some more complications and disjointedness to it right. to try and fill in some history that doesn't really impact. That at least gives us some character motivation why Batman kills. I'd say it would be a better movie if we took the first part of Batman watching all that destruction and took the next part of Batman with Alfred in the Batcave and them saying, I've got to stop him. Forgot all about the subplot with how we're going to get the kryptonite. 
maybe show one scene with Lex Luthor playing around with Doomsday and then skip all the way to Lex Luthor throwing Lois off the top of the building and you'd have a better, tighter movie and it'd come in at under 100, you know, under, under 120 minutes. Yeah. I, well, I think the whole subplot with, or the whole plot with that Luthor is pulling all the strings. Like, he gets the, he, he orchestrates the, the kryptonite coming in and it seemed they seem to imply that he knows Batman is going to find out, knows where he's going to discover where he's going to happen. He knows Batman's going to break it and take it. You know, a superhero movie needs, uh, and Deadpool did it somewhat. No, Deadpool did it somewhat. It needs the Frank Miller voiceover, like the Blade Runner voiceover, just not so heavy-handed to sit there and actually talk about what's going on. You know, you could have tightened up the movie by having Batman sit there and say the lines of how he acquired the kryptonite or how he manufactured it. They didn't even do that in comics now. There's no thought bubbles. There's no captions. You you don't need to see it all. You can imply a lot of things and it just be, oh, that's okay. Whoa, whoa, wow. Well, I think it makes Batman in this movie, for being such a great detective, he seems, he was duped pretty easily. If that is... Yeah, the whole, but he didn't see any of that coming. I still want to see a superhero movie done a la Goodfellas or Casino. You know, where it's someone narrating everything that's gone on and you're just seeing all the action that's gone on through the years. I think that would be a great thing, but I just don't know what you could do with, what property you could do it with now. Maybe Rising Stars. But well, I, I think, don't know if Straczynski I think that's, would ever that's Maybe one of the reasons why Marvel is more successful is that they... All their movies are kind of. They find a director that's kind of quirky or maybe has his own style, and they let him do it. They don't all. They don't all have to fit the same pattern, and it seems with no one controlling. I mean, otherwise Edgar Wright would have stayed on Ant-Man. Yeah, right. We all hit that same kind of point where we're going. We introduce the bad guy. We have the hero doing the struggle. Then we have the bad guy fighting the end. It's all that same. Right, but the 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 thing is with the Marvel movies is that they're looking at the characters enough and saying we need to change something here because Hawkeye is not Hawkeye. Hawkeye is not the Hawkeye I read in a comic book ever. Hawkeye's a hot guy. Hawkeye thinks he should be running the show. Hawkeye, you know, is a lot of things, but we never saw any of that. They made Hawkeye into a super spy assassin. Right. In, well, in, that's, in that's more, that pull them more from uh, the Ultimate Universe. Ultimate Universe. Yeah. There. Um, yeah, but uh, any of the characters, even Ant-Man, they changed, they changed some of that. Why couldn't they have had the daughter with the heart condition to give it more, you know, gravity on what he was doing? You know, they could have used that from the, the comic books. But I still like, you know, what they did. But there's so many things that they modify on the Marvel side to make it work in the modern day to make it I don't want to say more realistic well what I think also they're doing to make it more something everybody can stomach better than yeah and there's a lot of a lot of those little subplots that I think they're removing because they want the story to be cleaner yeah. So that it presents on the screen better, right. and that and, and not I'm, the, there's character. It's the same way with every book you've ever read. There's going to be a lot more depth that's going to be in, the, in a book or a comic book than you're going to be able to get on the screen. So they 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 have to do that sort of surgery. They have to make it accessible to the man on the street who's never read a comic. Exactly. And that I guess that's a question I have about uh, Batman and Superman. Is it? too dense for a guy on the street who doesn't read comics. You know, he knows who Superman is, knows who Batman is, knows who Lex Luthor is, but just walks in. Is it too dense for someone like that to enjoy it and get something out of it without them just going, oh, I just want to see two guys punch each other. If you want to enjoy it at that level, that's fine. 
I, I think I think you're right. I think there's so many plot elements in it that it, you, you, you've kind of muddled it for a, a, an average non-comic book fan to really come at it and go, yeah, I can, I can understand it. This is something that's Batman. They're going to punch each other. I've heard... They just doing too much They did. All right, well, I've heard somebody say that, or there's been comments, I think Honeywell brought this up, that... Or Mammy's Magnus, that somebody said that this movie is too complex, too complex for people that like the Marvel movies to understand. Maybe, but I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree that the complexity is a, a good thing. I, I think that some of that complexity is kind of. Dumb. <laughs> you know, I think complexity is a bad thing if you if you, if you do it right. the elements in in a cohesive manner, then you're good to go. But I think that there were some pieces that were just blocky and choppy, and you know. And I'm talking about story elements. I'm not talking about scenes. I think the scenes. Okay, not all the scenes were perfectly blended. I'm not going to say they were. I never pretended that they were. I'm, I'm waiting Frank over here. Watch this guy. <laughs> I don't using my mind power on it. But when I, when, I, when I hit the middle of the movie and I look back at the, the scenes from the first half of the movie, it's like, okay, all right, this all makes sense. This is all good. I'm, I'm on board. This is making sense. So... As a collage, it makes sense. When you look, when you just take a step back, when you hit the midpoint of the movie and you look back, you're like, all right, this makes sense. It's, it has a lot with what I call like the Bond effect. If you watch the 70s and 80s Bond films, it's you always know it's good guy and bad guy that they got to fight. If you watch the film, a lot of it doesn't make sense. If you start thinking about it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. But you get to the point where at the end, oh, here's the good guy, here's the bad guy, they're going to fight, there's going to be a resolution. You can enjoy it like that. But and you start, can see all the pieces start to come together. Right, but if you start thinking about it, it doesn't, a lot of it starts falling away. And I think that's the problem this movie. But I think what we're saying here is that for the first hour and so forth of the movie, as all the pieces are coming together, you're just kind of like sitting there going, come on, okay, let's get to it, let's get to it, let's get to it. So when they finally start fighting, you're like, okay, we're there, let's watch it now. You know, and then you get to the edge of your seat, you're ready to watch the fight, you're ready to see all that go on. I mean, But still, you're, you're just like in the back here, Mind going, yeah, but that didn't work. Yeah, why, why was there? A, why were we going after the bullet? Why, what does the bullet have anything? Why did? How did that become a big up? Why did Superman save those guys in that scene? They had something. They had something for Lois Lane. How did, how did the bullet make Superman guilty? Yeah, that's a very good question. How did the bullet, Sarah, make Superman guilty of anything? How did? Uh, why would you think that the story said that the bullet made Superman guilty? Okay, well, okay, it doesn't necessarily make him guilty, but it should make him innocent. I yeah, guess is the question. Why doesn't the bullet make him innocent? The bullets. The, all the bullets. Right. right there. And all those people. Like Jimmy Olsen being dead. Right. You know, the CIA Jimmy Olsen. And, and they're all sitting there going, oh, well, you know, after Superman flew away, this other guerrilla lord came in and took over everything. And it's like, yeah, but Superman didn't shoot any of the guys in the courtyard. That was somebody else. Right. So why is Superman? The question doesn't need to shoot people. Right. Unless he was throwing the bullets. What, what, it, what, it, what it does is it says there's a third player involved in here. Yeah. Right? There's the bad guy, and then there's Superman rescuing Lois, and then there's somebody else. So the bullet basically is a pointer saying there is someone else in this. It gives Lois Lane something to do. 
And you're right, it does point to, it leads to the, the, the path to Lex. Right. And I think that's the other part there, too, is it gives the character something to do. We're going to have a character in here. We don't know what the heck they're going to do. Oh, well, good. let's go chase him yeah, around. See, that's, not, that's not official storytelling. Him, yeah, let's make him go into a men's bathroom to confront a general, you know, which I didn't even notice until after I was done with the movie. And then I went, yeah, but Lois was in there in a men's bathroom. <laughs> what the? What? 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 I've never been, just from this a minute, so I've never really liked it. Any Adam's take on Lois Lane? No, I'm not. Been, haven't felt as good. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm in the minority there. I think that she, she's my favorite Lois Lane on screen right now. Jerry, I don't, I don't have a. I don't feel strongly either way. No, just, in the movies, in the movies, in the TV series, I'll take Erica Durant over Terry Hatcher any day. Oh, and there you go. You know, but it, as far as the big screen goes, Margot Kidder, no. What's her name from Superman Returns? That was a, a child. Playing Lois Lane here, yeah, that didn't. And no, no, Amy Adams was playing a, 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 a decent, likable woman that you know, you know, also had had some sex appeal. Margot Kidder, no sex appeal, and she played dumb. Okay, I, I'm gonna agree with you on the playing dumb, but I don't, I, I don't, I've never thought that Lois Lane had to have sex appeal. She had to be a hard-charging, hard-charging reporter. There has to be that spark, that magnetism between her and Superman. But does it have to? Does that based on looks? No. Okay, that doesn't have to be. I mean, one thing that we do know in the the Burn era Superman comics, Lois was a complete bitch, and yet he loved her. So it had to be on looks or something, because <laughs> it wasn't her personality. So I mean, you can transpose that and go the other direction for the movies. But well, I think that's just what they've always written her as this fiery, uh, you know, I got to get the story right, reporter. Uh, charging reporter to get the story at any cost and that's what I think they were trying to do with the character in the beginning of this movie they wanted to portray I will get the story at any cost and the cost is the guy who's sitting next to me with the camera Jimmy Olsen yeah Jimmy that's one of the costs Superman's pal you know and I think that Zack Snyder only did that as a shot basically he wasn't ever planning to use Jimmy Olsen and there was so much speculation in, in Man of Steel if that girl Jenny was Jenny was Jimmy. Olsen yeah, yeah was, was Jenny Olsen which of course brings you know the whole Superman's pal Jenny Olsen that would be kind of creepy I don't know <laughs> I wouldn't, I don't I wouldn't have guys and gals yeah. can be plutonic friends they can they just not according to Billy Pl- Crystal plutonic <laughs> why, why can't they be plutonic why because can't one of them be on Pluto and one of them be on Earth why can't that happen Drink. tell me Tell me why drink, this. Drink. Okay. I think, Words. I think we've gone into English. the drunken podcast now, and I've been imbibing under the table. Well, I want to ask everybody what they thought about, and this has to be a reaction to Man of Steel, that during the fight, you hear all this ADR about, oh, well, it's a good thing all the offices are empty. Oh, that was horrible. It's a good thing that that island is not inhabited. <laughs> yeah. The, the convenience of, hey, we can demolish this well, whole I mean, entire Batman city. Batman wanted his fight to take place in a non-populated area. He wanted it to be there. Yeah. So he flashed the light from that spot because there was no population there. Yeah. All right. Well, so no, I'm talking about once Doomsday shows up. It's, it's, I mean, how far was he still in that industrial area? Yeah. Yeah. And then they threw him on an island that was also yeah. conveniently uninhabited. Oh, yeah. not, not completely uninhabited because you know there's still the the, the maids and janitors oh, and other people that are cleaning up in those office buildings. No, 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 no on the island. On the island. Oh, on the island. When he comes, when he comes back out. after he's been nuked, they say, "Oh, it's a good thing that's uninhabited." And then they threw him in space so that.
that they could nuke him. I mean, you know, there's... Yeah, it was well, not surprising they didn't do the whole, you know, EMP takes out everything in Manhattan and, you know, airplanes falling out of the sky. The thing that kind of worried me a bit, it, uh, they show Superman recovering yeah. while in space. Right? I'm on board with that. Okay, he, the sun comes up, gets power from the yellow sun, he, he recoups from, from eating the nuke. On board. Then he dies and gets buried in in the ground, or is, in the, is at least in a casket. No sun, but somehow he recovers, or is in the process of recovering. He goes okay. to a, He never died. Just nobody could sit there and tell if he was alive or dead. Okay. I mean, you sit there and you put a thing on his his chest. You know, it's like well, clearly he didn't die in he space. He was only either. mostly dead. Only mostly dead. Yeah. Exactly. Did so, you know Kryptonians are just like Time Lords? They have two hearts. <laughs> so so he's That's mostly dead in space. Go. He's mostly go. dead in space and that. recovers. Right. And then he's really, really most, fast because of the sun. Yeah. Right, yeah. and then he mostly dead in a casket with right. no sun. Well, there's the, the thing is there's still radiation getting to him. Oh yeah, yeah. there's no photons, no yellow photons. Well, they have some Akans blood left over. Oh wait, wrong <laughs> <laughs> franchise. Wrong yeah. franchise. Uh, well, I wanted to see when he gets when when right. it's going to take a lot cheek. longer time for him to recover. When he catches cheek with a the whole um, movie, probably the spear. <laughs> And then he that goes to the whole Martha thing, and the yeah. spears were taken away. I wanted to see that cut slowly start healing up, but it did yeah. heal up. I mean, because by, by the end it was the cut. Was yeah, gone. but I wanted to see right there, like, like the Hugh Jackson slowly, just not, not maybe that that fast, but just just an indication that he's. Yeah. You know what I wanted to see? Like, I wanted to see Wonder Woman actually take that sword she used to chop off Doomsday's arm and chop off his legs, and then see spikes grow out of his legs, and then see how he could fight then. Because all I could do is really lay down there and. Huh? He was too tall. Too tall. Okay, okay. She couldn't get a him. Clark, can I get a boost? Fastball special. Yeah, fastball special. We've beaten this movie to death, and we're still going to say it's a mediocre go see. It's okay. It's a five. I'm a seven. I'm putting it on I'm, I'm a seven, seven also. You know, the second time I saw it, I, I was able to enjoy it more. You guys yes. are much kinder with your sevens. No, but the thing is, yeah, there are things we can sit there and shake our head and complain about, but it's only because we've got such a history with the character. I agree. You know, in the end, we actually saw Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman on the screen fighting a big bad. Just, just as much fun as you'd have, uh, you know, in a video game. And more, more so because we've not yet gotten a really good Superman video game since the Atari 2600 version. Uh-huh. That was Lego. a Superman? Lego, Lego, yeah, Lego, Lego Batman 3. Lego Batman 3 is pretty yeah. awesome. Or was that 2? No, Lego Batman 2 had Superman in it also, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2 and 3. Yeah. Lego but, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we got that, we got it on the screen, and it, in so many ways, didn't get our expectations, but in other ways, it did. But as a fan, should you be satisfied with that, just that you got it on the screen? No, and the, we, but the thing is, we've sat there, and everybody has made their opinion known. It's put out there for the world to see, for the world to hear. It's in petitions, it's in movie reviews, it's on Rotten Tomatoes, and this is something else that we need to discuss. The only problem is the rest and that is the review backlash on this movie. The reviews that tried to kill this movie. No, where the review tried to kill this movie. And Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregator, which just means that if a, if a critic says, I don't like this movie, yeah. Rotten Tomatoes scores it as a negative. Right. It, realistically, all they do is take those numbers, put them in a 
Cruncher and spit them back out. And it's the same critics they would use for any series of movies. Because really, I mean, what what is the critic? If, what is their gain from trying to to have it fail? Nothing. They're a critic. It's not to say they're in Disney's pocket. It's the same. There was a, it's oh, the same I argument as saying that saying that Star Wars uh, that when, when Spider Man came out, that Spider Man was stealing some of the box office returns from Star Wars, and that the critics were panning Star Wars because they they wanted Spider Man and Sony to get more money. It's the same argument back then. That was a huge argument that, that Rotten Tomatoes had on the message boards. It, it's it's a dumb argument. It, the idea here is just we we all saw the same movie. Two of us. Uh, I, okay, I'm one of those guys that's saying it's a, a solid five. You and Frank are saying it's a seven. And I'd say a five, five and a half. Yeah. So 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 two of us here are going. Eh, it's a mediocre. Well, a mediocre and a Rotten Tomato score is a thumbs down. Two of you guys are saying eh, it's green. Okay, so this really, if we were a Rotten Tomato score, 50%. is fifty percent. And yet it's at about twenty nine right now. Twenty nine, I think. Then that just means that critics are scoring it more hardly because they look at it from aspects that we don't. They're critics, and they look at it from a cinematography view. They look at it from a, a storyline view, from a perception that doesn't really care about the characters, but care about it just as a movie they went to go see. Yeah, and again, you know, I know that I had complaints on the editing. I had complaints on the soundtrack. I had complaints on you know there was a, the writing had complaints on every facet of it. So I can understand that. So what you're but, saying is you're a fan, and as a fan, you liked it. Yeah. But as a movie critic, maybe not as much. They, you could say their their review may be a little more honest, because we are going to see it with a certain fan. Look, I'm not going to sit there and, and go into Superman 4 and come out and say, I enjoyed it. No, the no one would. No one would, because that's Scott Gardner would, wouldn't No no, I don't, did, did Scott no. Gardner enjoy Cluster Peace? That, that movie was bad no matter what. But yeah. however, I do know people who will go into, and this will probably get me smashed, but who will go into the Star Wars prequels and say they love all of them, even Attack of the Clones. And realistically, a lot of us sitting here would probably say, there's a lot of problems with those movies. Mm-hmm. I see all the problems with them. I still enjoy all of them. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not a people basher. So Tim, Tim's, Tim's on the side. <laughs> I'm saying well, that everybody has their own objective viewpoints. These critics, and and in the end, understood. that's what matters. If if you like the film, that's that's great. That's you know, right. don't listen to us. I mean, we're we're just giving you what we thought about it. We're not trying to yeah. you know but persuade think, somebody either way. I, I think there's too much of the people that are giving it the either I love it or hate it. Then you can't have that. They, they, they don't accept that anybody can have middle ground. There is no gray area for a lot of people. Well, that's sense. in social media. That's how everything is. Look at any yeah. film. It's either it's the greatest or it's the worst. There's no. And, and you know, I'll be honest with you. The polar, politics. The yeah, exactly. idea of polarizing these viewpoints. Too, comes a lot from the people that if I go on and I hear somebody who is roundly you know, saying this movie is a 10 and also then bashing anybody that comes in and has any critical thing to say about it it, amazes, it kind of makes you defensive in terms of going well no it's not, it's not that great okay how about this question one of the things I see a lot on the IMDB boards is the movie's a flop a flop. Yeah. Now, a flop is a movie that the flop doesn't make money, right? Or is a flop a movie that doesn't make back you know twice its budget? Because that's what they're looking at in this. They're saying that because the movie hasn't made twice its budget back, actually it did make over five hundred million, which is actual the budget is two fifty. Right. But when you add on the marketing and everything, you can sit there and say. 
that it's going to have to make over eight hundred million. Yeah, you got about double your budget. To, right. Yeah, to, yeah. you'd have to make over eight hundred million. The movie is not a flop. John Carter was a flop. John Carter was a flop, no matter how you cut the money of that movie, because it didn't even make back what the investment was of the studio. And this movie's not yeah, truly a flop. Which is a shame. That movie's actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah I like that movie. A lot. So do I. And the thing is with John Carter, I, my dad told my dad read me those stories when I was a kid, and he said he said to me before we even started, he goes, you know, Superman, Star Wars. All this stuff. This is the guy that inspired it all with this story here, and so he was sitting there reading this, all that, and it just, so it just it, it enraptured me. It just pulled me in, and so when the movie came out, I had all that swirling around in my head. And so to see all the stuff that my dad was talking about when I was a kid on the screen. Yeah. You know, I, I think John Carter is a perfect example of if you don't know how to market a film, they can make or break it. Yeah, they yeah. did not know how to market the that movie film. title. But why didn't they just call it a Princess of Mars? Yeah, I think it would be called John Carter of Mars, and they thought that was gonna the book was titled Princess people. of Mars. Yeah. I mean, that, that and, book it's sub- and it's subtitled and throw out those old book covers on there. Gosh, those things were awesome. Yeah, yeah. well, it depends on which ones you got. The Frazetta. I don't yeah. have the Frazetta. I've got oh, uh, yeah. the... Those are a little risky, but still really cool. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, as they were described in the book, you know, like, like Deja Thoris was, was new. I mean, she was new. They were all new. Look, look at the uh, current uh, crop of the comics. Look at the covers of those. Yeah, those women are they're drawn completely almost <laughs> new. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of issues there. But yeah. where we're going with this, I think, is a flop or a non-flop. And realistically, it, it's not a flop. It's not performing as expected, though, for a movie of this caliber with this much of an investment so, in. fail so, or epic fail? It's 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 a disappointment, not a yeah, fail. Yeah, I don't even say it's a fail. I, it's I agree a disappointment. with you. Disappointment, I think, Good. is the best way. It's yeah. not a fail. It's a disappointment. But, you know, because the thing is, there's guys at Warner Brothers that are, making, that are getting millions of dollars off their investment. They are going to make money off of this one way or the other. Yeah. And then when it goes to video... Once again, you know, there's going to be, you know, whatever they whatever they make on it. And it seems like they're not, not making as much on video sales as they used to. And no, because their video is a bifurcated system now. I mean, you may be redboxing these movies instead of buying them. I mean, we, we have so many, maybe Star Wars is already at Redbox. We, we have so many different ways to hold the movies. And number two, a lot of us, if, we're, if you're our age, we have so much back catalog of movies that sit at our house, we may not have even watched. I mean, yeah, like a lot. So I got fun. Looper at home. I've never. I've, I've sat there and went. I really want to see this movie. Uh, I said some stuff. It's a movie I, I could only watch once. Really right. 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 I'm not saying it was bad, but I can only watch it once. Looper. Looper. Yeah. I have okay. the whole Gamera <laughs> series. Oh, Gamera! I, I haven't. I haven't. They're making a new camera this year. The show. Yes. Yes. Did I just hear Gamera? The show series or? Yeah. Yes, and it's like seven, five. I've got the first four in Blu-ray. Call me around over. I want to watch Gamera. <coughs> order a pizza. I haven't opened it yet. Pizza, no. Soda and Gamera. I just watched... Uh, uh, um, uh, now you might hate me, but uh, the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes. I watched it again. No, I like those. I enjoy those. Yeah, those, I, I are, those are fun, I, dumb movies. I am, 
I am a, I'm a Holmes fan, and I like Holmes in every aspect so far. I loved Without a Clue. I loved Basil Rathbone. I love 7% Solution. I have not seen it. Young Sherlock Holmes? Nick Myers. I even like Young Sherlock Holmes. Nick Myers, who directed The Rathacon. I'm watching that's a wonderful film. Nick Myers, who directed Rathacon in Time After Time, he directed that. Okay. So uh, it's a, uh, an incredible Holmesian story. Uh, Michael Caine? God, it's been over 30 years. No, Michael Caine is uh, without a clue. That's, with yeah, Ben Kingsley, clue. That's right. and I love that version. I love it. But some people will say, oh, no, no, it's not Holmes. It's yeah, it's loosely based on Holmes, which is like Hitchhiker's Guide or Dune were loosely based on the respective books. And that's fine. Did you say Dune? Are you trying to put me to sleep? I, I love Dune. I, Dune's good. I love that movie. I, I, I love the movie. That. I love the books. The books are freaking brilliant. But... Anyway, it, it, in, in the end, uh, if it's Holmes related, I loved House. I loved House. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> elementary? Sherlock? I'm watching Elementary. Have and you I love Sherlock. Sherlock. Yeah. Sherlock's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I love them all. Even I the love crazy Lucy Liu's Watson. I love his Watson. There is pretty much, so far, there isn't an interpretation that I have seen to this point of Holmes that I went, no. That's just like even the uh, yeah. Even the porno of Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Tell me all about it, because I've yet to see Even the, uh, did Disney do a, uh, Oh, uh, and a dog, the rat, the uh, great mouse detective. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> this is the first I heard of it. You can watch the porno and the great mouse detective. No, together because that's icky. Yeah, I agree. That's icky. <laughs> that's icky. No Disney would just watch the porno. <laughs> you need twenty-four hours between those. I think we have. Uh, I've already exhausted everything. Yeah, you want to bring us out? No. Unless you get last thing to say. You know, uh, I'll, I'll just say this that we're in the day and age where everything that is being put out is polarizing in one way or another. And as I sat there and watched and read and listened to all the stuff leading up to this movie, I realized that nothing that anybody says leading up to the movie is going to change my opinion of what I felt going into and coming out of that movie. And the last thing that I wanted was to start hearing more and more stuff about what was happening in the movie. I wanted to see maybe one, two trailers and that was it. And I felt they were just showing too much. When they showed that scene between Clark and Bruce at the Lex Luthers, I was like, I wish they hadn't put that because it would have worked so well in the movie. It would have been one of those scenes where the audience is like, cool. But because they showed it in the previews, it ruined the whole cachet of that moment. So I think that, that the movie studios need to kind of get away from that. Marketing these things so hard by ramrodding everything down to us that it polarizes people. But they're so, well, and I think people are ready to, to as you say, be polarizing about it because the people that want to hate it are going to want to hate it before the movie ever comes out. And they want, they seek out reviews and comments that just that uh, validate their opinion. So they're out like, I, I think this movie's going to suck, I hate it, I'm a Marvel guy or whatever. And then you're going to seek out reviews and say, yes, I hated it too. Or the other way around, it's like, this movie's great, best movie ever made. And they're going to seek out reviews. So you can't... And then... And also the... The... 
the attitude on Facebook of, well, if you like it, then you're kind of pounced on. Or if you don't like it, you're pounced on. It, it's that reaction of, um, going back to Dark Knight, I know when that movie came out, and some, I remember Michael Phillips gave it kind of a two stars, a poor review. And he was getting, not quite death threats, but there were people that were honestly, yeah, like, and their attitude was, how dare you not like this film? Like, what, what happened to my opinion? You know? And I think that's, I'm why that in social media. Yeah, I think that we have to start, and I'm sure a lot of you are doing this, looking at social social media through the side of your eyes. You know, just, you, you know, take it all with a grain of salt and go in with your own open opinion. But there's too many people ready to sit there and dog pile on one thing or another. It's the greatest thing ever. It's the worst thing ever. And I don't know. I, I'm not listening to those people anymore. <laughs> I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and notice I'd be editing anyway <laughs> hey Brian only talked for about five minutes in this episode what happened yeah <laughs> um, plug 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 we need to plug oh. we're at area 51 today and yeah. they've been very kind to us uh, wanted to grapevine Texas in grapevine Texas so if you're uh, thank them for giving us this little you're in the area, Corner stop by the, uh, store. As, as the proud purveyor of the crap box, I can tell you they've got a whole bunch of really good stuff in cheap. The, cheap in the back. So so cool. come in and yeah. dig through your dollar boxes. Yeah, I'm going to start digging through stuff, starting with that Superman rack right there. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of gamers here. There's two rooms for gamers. Uh, yeah, this place seems to be a hub for gaming. And, uh, and there looks to be a lot of people that are... Uh, um, Happy with being here. So, if you are in the market for uh, comic books and you're in the Grapevine area, I would recommend taking a taking a look. The coolest thing, you know, that in, in letting them game is they're letting them bring in their own food and stuff, so they don't have to sit there and either buy the the skimpy pickings that they might have here. But it also makes the place smell like Taco Bell, and I'm getting really hungry. <laughs> pizza, pizza, pizza. Yeah, that pizza oh, over there is yeah. calling me. Oh, it's been calling me for at least 20 minutes. I've been looking at that, that pizza. pizza going, uh, yeah. All right, well, let's wrap this up since everybody's hungry. Who's hungry? Me. He's Brian Hughes. That's right. And he's Tim Elliott. That's Frank Canepa. And that is Michael Carlisle of the of the hating of, of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Chris the Boy Wonder. Say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you and goodbye. The Justice League of America, the combined might and power of the Man of Steel and the Cosmic Crusader, the Winged Avenger, and the King of the Sea, the Tiny Titan, and the Scarlet Streak, all working together for good against evil as the Justice League of America. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, 
and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. If you're interested in any of the books we cover in the show, just head over to tutufreaks.com and use the Amazon link to shop. This doesn't cost any extra, but it really helps support the shows. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Burn, baby, burn!